you for the time that we have tonight. We dedicate this service to you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place to move as you desire to. We submit our plans. We submit what we think is going to happen tonight before you. We surrender all that we have and all that we are to you. Your will be done tonight in this place. Your kingdom come at Harvest Church. We thank you. We dedicate this service to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
I worship my Lord I lift up my voice In a heavenly song And I worship you Lord Yes, I worship you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Worship you, Lord. Hallelujah.
Savior tonight. We welcome you. Spirit of grace, we give you the preeminence. We give you all the glory. We worship you. We worship you. We love you tonight. All thank you, Father, for speaking to us through your word. And the gift that you've sent us. Our ears are open to hear what you're speaking. Our hearts are good ground, ready to receive. We thank you, Father. We expect much tonight. And we thank you, Father, in advance. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. If you didn't weren't able to be here today, then get on and listen to the message it was very good amen and we're just going to continue tonight amen it's all yours brother mike you know in times like this in uh, atmospheres like this my prayer is, really, God, don't let me mess this up. <laughs> you know, stone, don't let me mess this up. You know, there's a scripture in, I think it's in First Chronicles, it said, in the presence of the joy, in, in the presence of the Lord, there is joy and rejoicing and strength and gladness. In the presence of the Lord. There is joy and rejoicing, strength and gladness. That's why I think it's so critical that we we learn how to be in the presence of God. Again, I, I said this morning, yeah, it's it's great to be corporate, but I think you as individuals, it, it's it's of critical essence that you learn how to just be in the presence of God in your home, in your car, your truck. Just in your airplane. Now, in your airplane, it's a little more critical. You stay astute to some things, but you don't have as much. <laughs> but it, it's why? It's because that's where the, the place where God just really infuses this strength into your life. That it just, it's amazing, you know. I've always said this, you know, God, God can do more in a nanosecond than it would take me for a lifetime. And it seems as though when God speaks to you, sometimes he, like he, he downloads paragraphs to you, you know. And, you know, just there is an old saying, one word from God can change your life. And that's so true. It's just so true. Uh, Abe and Brad, thank you so much for leading us into the presence of God. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. That's good. Amen? And Bobby, thank you for your shout. <laughs> See, here's what I learned. Those who have been saved from much shout the loudest. Amen. That's right. Yeah. Because when your life's been a mess, 
You got a lot to be thankful for. A lot to be thankful for. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know. Yeah. You have a lot to be thankful. We all have a lot to be thankful for, right? We really do. So, I want to share with you some things tonight uh, about living the rhythms of life. And I've just found this is so critical because many people, the reason that their lives are the way they are, or the, the reason that, you know, they're living exhausted lives maybe or chaotic lives, whatever it is, is because they've not discovered that life is very rhythmic. The kingdom of heaven is rhythmic. I gave an illustration this morning that the kingdom of heaven is a rhythm. If you study the scriptures, you'll find that the kingdom of heaven is very rhythmic. You know, there's a, well, let me, let me back up. Let me get ahead of myself. So I want to talk to you about these, these critical areas in our lives that we must understand is what, because they set rhythms in our life. So the first one I want to talk to you about is the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a rhythm. God created in six days, and on the seventh, he rested. All right? There was a rhythm. Six days of creation, a day of Sabbath, a day of rest. Okay? I like something that Rabbi Abraham Heschel said. He goes, six days a week, we, we wrestle with the world, wringing profit from the earth. And on the Sabbath... We especially care for the seed of eternity that is planted in our soul. That's what the Sabbath is for, is to make sure that we are tending to the seed of eternity that has been planted in our soul. It's so important. You know, one of the things that, because the Sabbath is is really, and I, 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 I'm not going to do an extensive teaching tonight on the Sabbath, but uh, the Sabbath is a time to, uh, I'll use the word and I'll use a play on it, is, is uh, you know the word recreation? Okay, if you stop and think about that and if we hyphenate that word, it's recreation. That's what the Sabbath is for. It's to recreate a life and a rhythm that God has for our lives so that we may be able to, to walk in the strength and the health that God has called us to. So one of, one of the things that I've learned about Sabbath and, and getting into that place of, of just what I call solitude, kind of drawing away from all the, 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 the demands and things of life and drawing myself into this place of Sabbath and just solitude. Solitude always leads you into a place of gratitude. And what happens is if we don't do those, then we never live our life from a place of gratitude, of being thankful for everything that God has done for us and is doing for us. And so many times, it's not, we, it's not like, I, I think we have to wait till God does something major, uh, uh, major to be thankful for it. And I, I don't know about, you know, sometimes it's just, I'm sitting on my screened-in porch, and I'm just like, God, thank you for the birds that are singing. Because there's just something mystical about it. And it brings me back, it brings me into this place of, God, thank you. Thank you for this, this life that you've given us. And thank you for the air that I breathe. It just keeps leading you further and further into this place of thankfulness and we miss out when our lives are so busy and chaotic and demanding and there are demands on life right there's demands and some of those demands are legitimate some of them aren't but some of them most of them are but not all of them are some of those illegitimate demands we create ourselves. yeah but I've learned it's it's this rhythm 
of Sabbath leads you into this place of gratitude. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Jesus said, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not the people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Let me read that to you again. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. What is what are the needs of people? We need, we need rest. We need gratitude, reflection. We need to be restored, to be recreated. I've learned this also, that it's the place, uh, Sabbath is a place where the image, where God's image in me is restored. Who God is, is restored in me. A constant restoration of who God in me is. And then the other part of that is is uh, the Sabbath always leads me into the place where my imagination of God is restoried. So it's a restoration and a restoring in knowing him. And being able to take time to just imagine, to have an imagination of God. You ever do that? God, I want to see more of you. I want to know more of you. There's a scripture in in Hebrews chapter 11 that says this. let Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. This is the part of technology I love. This is the part of technology that I'm able to do. This is about the limit of the ability of my technological astuteness. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. I'm going to read it to you from the message. And I'm going to read to you part A and part D. It's kind of like a Medicare supplement. We have part A and part D. I'm not going to read to you in between, but I'll read you the first. So it said, by faith... Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. That's part A. Part D, as a result, Noah became intimate with God. Somebody tell me, how long did it take Noah to build the ark? 100 years. God's number one purpose in building the ark was his intimacy with Noah. And what I've learned from this is sometimes the things that God calls you to do is not about what you're doing, but it's about the intimacy that is developed while you're doing it. The intimacy that you're able to enter into with God while you're doing it. That's God's, the the second part of it is, is really the purpose of why you're doing it. But the first part of it is, is our growing in intimacy with God. So that's the thing that God is always after is this intimacy. It's this closeness with us. And there's a rhythm for that. There's a rhythm to that. That I think we need to to, uh, give our lives to. It's so critical. Let me see if I can get back to my... There we go. So here's here's another scripture that this is the one that I, I love this scripture. It's out of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. I'll read it to you again from the message translation because I like it so much it's the way it reads. It says, are you tired? Anybody ever get that? And I'm like, dear Lord, I'm tired. You get that? Ask Jesus. Are you tired? Ask Jesus. Are you worn out, burn out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Listen to this next part. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live life freely and lightly. Wow. 
years ago when I come across that scripture, I just got to, you know, that, that whole part was walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. See the rhythm in that? Catch the rhythm in that? Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. There's a rhythm. And where do we get that? It's in that, that Sabbath, that Sabbath rest. Because Jesus said, draw away with me. And that's what the Sabbath, the Sabbath does for us. It helps. It's a part of keeping that rhythm of grace in our lives. Okay? So, let's go on to the next rhythm issue. And some of these I, I think I'm maybe going to surprise you with. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Second one is uh, repentance is a rhythm issue. Okay? So in Matthew chapter 3, John, John the Baptist is saying this and uh, because he's observing the, the Pharisees and them. And he says this, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath to come, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, it's interesting, and the reason I use this is that um, repentance disrupts rhythm. Okay? So, I have, um, I have four daughters. Um, three of my daughters have, have arrhythmia issues. Uh, they have sinus rhythm issues. Uh, two of my daughters have pacemakers. And then two of my grandsons have rhythm, rhythmia, sinus rhythm issues. And one of the, my grandsons has actually had, one of my daughters has had open heart surgery for it. One of my grandsons, 16 years old, has had open heart surgery and he has a pacemaker. So I know a little bit about this whole rhythm issue. Yeah, too much, really. And a lot of it is 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 from an inherit. You know, a, I don't want to say an inherited thing, but it's 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 something that has been in the generations on my former wife's side of the family. And so the Lord used it this to really speak to me about this whole repentance thing because what repentance does is it gets our hearts out of sinus rhythm so you know how the heart beats Let's see if i can do this with the microphone so the, anybody here in the medical nurse anything like that so what how your heart beats is this you have your atrial and your ventricle right top and bottom so your heart beats like this, blood in, blood out, blood in, blood out, blood in, blood out, blood in, blood out. So what happens with atrial fib is typically atrial sinus rhythm is uh, the top part of your heart starts doing this. While the bottom's still trying to stay in rhythm, the top part's doing this. So consequently, you don't get a good blood infusion or blood oxygen. Your body is not oxygenated well through that because you're not getting a good infusion into it and it causes a lot of issues and so on and so forth. That's kind of what sin does. It starts putting our heart into this, you know, this this rhythm, this this sinus rhythm. Uh, and so, what what do they have to do? Cardio inversion. So they get them on the table and they put these paddles on there and boom, they shock them. Well, that's what repentance does. Repentance puts your heart back into a sinus rhythm with God. That's why it's so critical for us to be quick to repent. Why? Because the longer you stay in this, this uh, unrhythmic pattern, the harder it is. And, and this was the thing like with my former wife. She had been out of sinus rhythm for so long, they couldn't get her heart back into a good sinus rhythm. And eventually she ended up dying from it. That's what she died from. And so that's why it's so important for you and I when something, when we miss it, when we sin, it's so important for us to be quick to repent. Why? Because the longer we stay in that state 
of unrepentedness, the harder it is for us to repent. And it keeps us out of this rhythm with God. And it's not that God isn't, God the whole time was trying to speak to us about this. That's what we call conviction of the Holy Spirit. He's trying to say, look, you need to, you need to let me put the paddles on you. And all, all of my daughters, my grandson, they've, they've all said, it kind of hurts <laughs> when they do it. Cause it's like, boom. And, and my daughters, especially, they've had to, when they've been out of rhythm, they've had to go in and they've had to shock them up to three or four times. And I mean, it's, it's not a just like, you know, sometimes you go and you, you ever done that where you're working on a, something electrical and you kind of do the wrong thing? It's like, Ugh! you know, no, it's more than that. It's like this, boom. But you know what? It brings you back into a place of health. Brings you back into a place of quality of life. And it's so important. That's why... And I, and I've really learned this that it's, well, you gotta be quick to repent. Okay, God, I messed up. I did. I messed up. And put the paddles on. Okay. So it's interesting because many times the translators in, in, in the New Testament, more times the word repentance is translated to the word uh, metanoia. This was the challenge between, because you know Jesus didn't speak Greek, right? He spoke Aramaic. It was, it was actually, Aramaic was a derivative of the Babylonian language. It was, okay, it was all the way back to the Babylonian captivity, okay? So it was a derivative, it was a dialect of the, of the Babylonian language. So he spoke Aramaic. It was a challenge for the Greek translators to translate certain words uh, from the Aramaic into the Greek. And this was one of the words they were challenged with. So they translated this word repentance to the word metanoia, which means a change of mind. But that's not what, what John was addressing here. What John was addressing, they should have more accurately translated the word to metacardia. Guess what that means? Change of heart. Because when, in, our, in our relationship with God, everything is a heart issue, not a mind issue. It's a heart issue. Repentance is a heart issue. It's not about changing my mind. Because you know what? I can change my mind about something, but my heart can stay in the same place. But when you, you come into these times with God and you have these encounters, guess what happens? There is a metacardia that happens, and your heart is changed. That's the reason Bobby and I keep picking on Bobby. I'm sorry. But that's the reason Bobby and I are here. Why? Because we, we didn't have a change of mind. We had a change of heart. Him and I, we were talking today, him and I had a lot of similar backgrounds with drugs and bikers and all that stuff. Prison. Let's define that part. No. He was on one side, I was on the other. I told Bobby today, I said, you were the, you were, uh, the guys, like the guys I led to Jesus in the prisons. Because I did prison ministry for many years. But so we both have a lot. And so, but what happened was is that we had a change. We didn't change our mind about, well, I think, no. We, some, Jesus came into our life, and guess what? There was a metanoia that happened. And I began to see this in, in understanding that, even working with couples, because I used to do a lot of marriage uh, ministry, I found that it wasn't just getting people, husbands and wives, to change their mind about each other. It was getting them to change their heart about each other. And that's 
where marriages could be healed. Because many times what happens, we just change our mind about it. But the thing about it is, is as soon as somebody messes up, then your mind changes again. But when your heart is changed, they messed up. You can be upset about it, but your heart is still for them, fast for them, covenanted with them. All right? Does that make sense? You know, I, I was thinking about this. There's a guy in the Bible. He, he was one of Paul's understudies and traveled with Paul a lot. And several of Paul's epistles, he just made this high commendation about this guy. And this guy's name was Demas. And, De, you know, he says, you know, in several letters, like Demas is like, hey, he sends his love. He sends his prayers, all this. And then all of a sudden we get to another uh, part of the letter in Second Timothy chapter 4. And Paul says this about Demas. Because he loved the world, he deserted me. What happened? He had a change of heart. And there were some things that happened that Demas did not repent from. And he got, he got so enamored with the world. He got so enamored with the, the cultural settings that he was in. That it sucked him in and he left the ministry, he left Paul and he went to the way of the world. What? And he lost his rhythm with God. And that was so, so devastating to Paul. It really was. You could hear, if you read this, you hear Paul's heartbreak about demon or about Demas. Demons, yeah, but about Demas. He'd lost that rhythm. So that's so important, keeping and bearing fruits of repentance. Keep, keep a rhythm of repentance in your life, okay? The third one I want to talk about is seasons of life. There's a rhythm to the seasons in our life. The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I would not have any of them to be dominated by any of them. And so here's here's what I've I've discovered is that we have to be very careful in reading the seasons for our lives because so critical about staying in this rhythm with God. Because, you know, it's like Paul said, it basically, if I can paraphrase this, he says, you can be doing good things, but it doesn't mean it's you're doing the right things. Okay? You can be doing good things. But it doesn't mean you're doing the right things for your life right now. Because, I have, because God leads us from these, into these different seasons in life. And it's so critical that we focus on the things that are profitable for us. You know, just, you, we were just talking about that. You know, why... Why do certain things, do you operate in, in certain things become more of an emphasis in your life, more of a focus in your life than at others? Because it's the season that you're in. And we have to live our lives according to the season. So, you know, very, you know, maybe a corny way to put it, but we're in the summer right now, right? And so there's things that, that we think about in this time, we focus on. In this time of the year that we wouldn't in December or January. You know, I put my snow shovel away for the summer. I'm not focused on my snow shovel. I'm focused on my hoe for the garden. Quirky, but makes the point, right? We did just different things that we focus on during the different times. But it's so imperative is that as we're living our life that we learn to read those seasons in our life so that we stay in this rhythm. The challenge that we have comes from this old axiom. You've probably heard it. Because what happens is life changes. Seasons change. There's a song. I think there was a song. Seasons change and so do I. Who was it? This thing? You remember? Who? The guess? Got me. Anyway, 
the seasons change and the rhythms that we find in those seasons are so critical. And so there's this old axiom that says this, if you always done what you if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. And in pastoring for 25 years, I would see people would come in to me with him. It's like, oh, my life is just like my life. I'm fed up with my life and everything. I said, good, let's talk about what you need to do to change. Change? I don't want to change. I want my life to change. I don't want to change, but I want my life to change. Guess what? It's not going to happen. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. And you know what? All it takes sometimes is just a small, something change, uh, change something small in your life. That's all it takes. Because sometimes the shifts and the seasons that, that God brings us into, it doesn't take major changes. It just takes small changes that we need to adjust in our life. I don't... Pastor Mike, I don't know if you remember the Kathy. Buddy Harrison used to say this all the time, all the time. He said, life is a series of adjustments and changes. And it's so true. Life is. It's a series of adjustments. Okay? But that keeps us in this rhythm with God. It's so important. keeps our heart in rhythm. So there's, there's kind of this create, creative rhythm that God has. He takes us from strength to progress to refreshing. You see this in Psalm, eight, Psalm 84, verses 5 through 7. It says this, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are on the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. So here we have, he's talking about the Valley of Baca, which is the Valley of Tears. Okay? So we get the strength in our life, and then we go through these, these places of progress, which is 